0: Hawks Hawks Live, every Thursday from 7 to 9, live at Snoqualmie Casino. Now, here's your host, Dave Dave Wyman. Wyman. Hey,
1: welcome to Hawks Live. We're here live at the Snoqualmie Casino. We'll be here every Thursday night on 710 ESPN Seattle. We've got a great show coming up here, but let's get right to our first guest on the phone, Shaquille Griffin. Shaquille, thanks for joining us, buddy. Oh, man, appreciate you guys having us. Hey, so last year you were a little hard on yourself, and uh, I heard on one of the shows you gave yourself a D or something. I I don't care what you give yourself this year. I'm giving you an A, Shaquille. You you're having a great year, and how, how are you feeling so far about uh, your season?
2: Um, so far so good. I'm feeling pretty good. I'm uh, feeling pretty confident, comfortable. Um, it's so much more I want to do and accomplish. So, uh, you know, I can't even grade myself out right about now, but uh, you know almost halfway through, and um, I'm feeling good, but it's, it's definitely uh, a lot more I can improve on, and I'm looking forward to doing that.
1: Yeah, good players are never satisfied, I, I know, so it's six <laughs> passes broken up, though, man, it's, uh, it's really cool to watch you play, and uh, you've just been playing some great defense, and that had to have felt good in Cleveland. I mean, you, you've you caused uh, a couple of interceptions, and, you know, the, when that flurry of interceptions came in Cleveland, they really do come in bunches. That one uh, must have felt good for you defensive backs.
2: Oh, yeah, no doubt. Um, it definitely felt good, and, you know, that's something that we try to build on. Um, I know everybody's feeling good, and, you know, I feel like the best thing to do is just capitalize on it. I know last game we didn't have any turnovers, but, you know, that's the that's the type of mindset that we have to build off of, you know, you always want to try to come come out with at least three turnovers, that's always our goal uh, week in week out. You know, um, But Cleveland, it was a good start, so we know it's possible. We know we can make it happen. We just got to go after a ball and get it.
3: Hey, Shaquille, you've had the opportunity to go up against uh, Michael Thomas, uh, Brandon Cooks, uh, Aldell Beckham, and uh, now you get Julio Jones. How do you get yourself ready for uh, these types of matchups?
2: Um, just prepare him to, uh, pray for this guy the same way I prepare for everybody else. You know, I treat everybody the same. I treat everybody like they're the best. And, you know, and I just, I come in with the best mindset of, you know, trying to be the best cornerback in the league. And, you know, when you have a tough mindset, you know, um, you're just ready to compete. Um, I'm always looking forward to another challenge. You know, and this week I, I get another one. And, you know, the best ain't like they are the best. And that's the type of mindset I'm coming in with. You know, I know the type of player that I'm going against. And you just got to be great on the day that we face him. Uh, I'm going to bring my A game. I know he's going to bring kids. And, it's gonna be a nice competition, so I'm definitely looking forward to it. You know, I, I love going to get great receivers, and and uh, each week I get a chance at least to get one, so uh, it, it's always an honor to get a chance to get guys like that. So I'm looking forward to
4: it.
0: What's it like you, you, the whole off season? You pretty much with the same group, the se- same secondary group. You go all through training camp, regular season. Now, you know, Quadre Diggs comes in. What would I say? Quadre. Quadre. Thank yeah. you. He comes in. What's that like in the locker room, and and what's that like just for you guys mentally? Bringing in a new guy, you know, how do you guys I- accept him and all that stuff?
2: Oh, we accept guys. We accept you know, new guys, and the guys like him, we open arms, you know. But that's the type of uh, people Seattle brings in. You know, they bring in people, you know, that's actually caring, you know, for others, not just themselves. That's type of team we have. We have a team that's willing to, you know, give our shirt off our back to the next person and. When he came in, we got a chance to understand who he was. We let him talk and, you know, explain where he's from and you know his upbringing and where he's at now in life. And we accept guys like that who is able to open up and, you know, and understand um, who they are. And that's what we try to do. We try to, you know, create that family type environment. And um, when you have that, we 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 have open arms for guys like that. And like I said before, we'll give our our shirt off our back for guys like that. And you know, it, it's anything is it's business. We understand that. But, you know, we don't shy away from competition. You know, at any end of the day, you still can compete for our spot. But uh, like I said before, uh, we're here to help each other. You know, that's type of uh, environment we have here. The family type, the atmosphere, and that's a, the that's a type, type of uh, and thing that we're not going to change. That's just us.
1: Yeah, Shaquille, I, people ask me about you. I'm like, he's the nicest guy I've ever met, you know, and you already have that uh, going for you, but – also, where does that come – does a lot of that come from Pete Carroll? Because I think it's this way here more than other, other teams that you guys are so gracious to newcomers and help them out. And, you know, does that – is that something that Pete preaches?
2: Uh, yeah, you know, I feel like Pete doesn't even have to preach that. You know, I just feel like the type of guys he brings to that building already have some type of love for one another. You know, and that's just some people you have around that organization. So I got to give, you know, props to Pete, you know, and John for, you know, knowing who to bring in to the organization, to bring in around guys like us. So, uh, you know, it's not something you have to preach. He just knows what type of guys that he wants around, you know, his organization. And he brings guys who care about the next. You know, it's not always about just one person. And I feel like that's a, a great thing to have when you have a coach like that who, who knows what type of personalities and the people he wants around. And um, you know, and, and having Diggs here now, he's going to bring that same type of environment. You know, you, I can tell already just from the week him of, of him being around him and meeting in practice, he's willing to help out. You know, give tips of his experience of being in the league. You know, and, that, and that's cool to see because you no, know, it's just and nothing changes the way Pete feels about guys, and he knows who he wanted, what type of personality he wanted organization, and it shows. So it's nothing he has to preach; he just already have guys around like that.
3: Hey, Shaquille, I'm going to switch it up a bit. I want to talk about your style, man. I see you and your brother before the games. You guys always got some kind of tired-looking fresh. Do you have a stylist, or is that something you and your brother just come up with <laughs> on your own? Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, nah, no, no stylist, man, no stylist. That's just us. <laughs> That's all I love. You know, uh, we we try to bring some of the different things that we like, and we just go off vibes and fillers. And you know. And the first thing that come to mind, you know, we just go get it, and we try to – you know, put it together. So, uh yeah, no salads. I-, I had a couple of silence to up, but uh I think we got it down pat for right now.
1: All right, Shaquille, well, I'm going to have to check you out on the team plane and uh, make sure it meets, you know, Michael Bumpus' standards and everything. So, hey, uh, tell us about what you're seeing. Well, here's yeah, you should laugh at that. Bumpus, Bumpus just wears free Bump, stuff.
0: I was, oh, and like you you don't. You well, still yeah, have your Nike shoes from back in 90s. The Seahawks give me
1: free stuff I wear, it, all right? So, hey, so, Shaquille, tell us what you're seeing from uh, the Atlanta Falcons real quick. Number two passing game, Matt Ryan, not sure if we're going to see him or not, but... What are you seeing from your opponent?
4: Um, just seeing
2: a lot of spread. I know, uh, you know, they focus on more uh, just passing. So I, I know what type of game is going to be for the guys in the back end, and you know, and what type of receivers we're going against. Um, you know, right now at this point, we just got to win our one-on-one, uh, one-on-one matchups. You know, I know it's going to be a, a tough battle, but uh, you know, we got a front seven that's you're going to go and put pressure on guys. You know, and that's going to. You know, have to win their battles up front, you know, and, and give us some chances, you know, on the back end to make some really good plays. So, um, you know, we're going we're gonna to throw some pressure, but we're going to let that, that D-line, that front seven, really do exactly what they've been doing all year and just, you know, putting pressure on guys. And in the back end, we're going to do exactly what we need to do it. you know, stand over the top end and making the plays that we need to make. But, you um, know, we know these guys, the type of weapons they have. We know what type of game they're coming with. We know they're going to focus mainly on passing. So, you um, we know what type the game is going to be, but um, we got a really nice game plan, and it should be nice. It's going to be a nice little competition. It's going to be a nice little show, but um, we definitely prepared. All
1: right, Shaquille, we really appreciate you coming on late with us and uh, sharing all that. And best of luck in Atlanta, and uh, have a great game.
2: Uh, thank you so much. Appreciate you guys again.
1: All right, there you go, Shaquille Griffin, just one of the good guys on this team. And you know, it's interesting, Quandre uh, Diggs. They mentioned. When I found out well Tyler Lockett's his best friend I'm like, okay he's in I mean you know it and I think that's a big part of it they have a happy locker room and uh, everybody working together and it's just a it's a good feeling around down there at the vmax they,
0: they do they have a lot of good guys and this Quandre, you know digs coming in team captain for Detroit yeah, I mean that when, was something when, huh? when you read the tweets from his teammates I mean right. it I mean, when it makes headline news how disappointed they were him leaving, not just as a player but as a person, and right. you know, the Seahawks scored big time on that one.
1: Yeah, you know, I was like, some of these guys are going to get themselves in trouble with their coach, Matt Patricia, because, <laughs> you know, they're griping about it, but, you know, it's just good to know, and he's a 5'9 safety, about 200 pounds. I, was, I went back and looked at his game last year against the, the Seahawks, and he was the leading tackler, had eight tackles, had a tackle for a loss, um i think ed dixon did catch a touchdown uh over the top of him but it was a spectacular catch by ed dixon and they just like what they see i think it's interesting that this guy i'm sure they've been watching for ever since he got in the league i mean they may have wanted to draft this kid at one point but it was just kind of an out of the blue trade like quandary Who mm-hmm. who's this guy and uh You know, I think it's interesting that they've kept track of him and knew who he was, and Pete Carroll feels like he fits specifically into this defense. What I like about
3: the dude, man, he plays fast. He plays the game fast, and he doesn't play like he's under six foot. You know, he reminds me of what, I think they want Ugo Almighty to be eventually. They're about the same size, the same type of stature, type of player, and he's always around the ball. And I think that's what this defense needs on the back end. Need a guy who's going to come in and smack it and play with some swag. I love the way this guy plays.
1: Yeah, and they're addressing the safety uh, position. We'll get to, uh, get to that with you, Coach Moyer, having played safety. Uh, you know, just something that they felt they needed to address. All right, well, coming up next on Hawks Live, Here with uh, Paul Moyer, Michael Bumpus. I'm Dave Wyman, and uh, we're up at the Snoqualmie Casino. We're here every Thursday night during the season here on 710 ESPN. Unfortunately, guys, we've got to go back and uh, recap what happened, what went wrong against the Ravens. That's next here on Hawks Live. Hawks
0: Live, every Thursday from 7 to 9, live at Snoqualmie Casino on 710 ESPN Seattle.
1: Welcome back. It's Dave Wyman, Michael Bumpus, Paul Moyer. We're here at the Snoqualmie Casino. Really a hidden gem out here. It's 10 to 12 minutes once you get past uh, the last exit in Issaquah. Uh, you get this beautiful restaurant, Vista.
0: It is. Oh, yeah.
1: I yeah, can't wait. Awesome food, and uh, they yeah. treat us great out here. And yeah, you go out there, and it's like you're out. Like, you can't see any houses or buildings if you look at the view. Yeah, it's beautiful. And I don't know if you noticed, but I'm stalling because uh, we're supposed to recap the Raven game right now. (laughs) You don't want
0: to get into it. Don't really want to
1: talk about it. But, you know, a couple of huge mistakes on offense. Um, And then, you know, Lamar Jackson is fantastic. I thought more than anything, I mean, obviously his athletic ability was, you know, he's superior. I mean, people talk about spying him. With who? So, I mean, I think he he might be the best athlete. I thought Bobby did a decent job one time running him out of bounds, but then another time they brought a blocker out for Bobby. So they had like a designed run. And, you know, you take away the one run, he had a scramble for 30. That knocks his yardage down to like 80, 85, and he only threw for 143. So it's not like he ran all over this team, but they had some really well-designed plays, and uh, you just can't make mistakes like they did on offense, giving up two touchdowns. To turnovers and uh, you know against a team like that.
0: Yeah, I mean it, you know it started also first drive. You know, Tedrick Thompson. I mean, just gave up a fifty yard play. Mean that I watched that one over and over. And I, at first I was like, okay, were they re- were they were they reading their route? Shaq Griffin and him. You know, because Shaq was uh, kind of slow playing on his side, reading the route. And, and and so they they had a dig route, a deep crossing route, and and a go route. That's what I think they thought that we're, they were getting. And I thought, okay, well, Tedrick is looking for that dig deep crossing route, and he's going to jump it, and Shaq's going to be over the top. Well, Shaq was actually looked like he was playing it, and then Pete made it clear that that was a very disappointing play on Tedrick. He said it was distasteful. <laughs> distasteful. And, you know, the, here's, here's what I'm going to say about Tedrick, because, you know, I've been asked a lot about him. I, I think 95% of the time Tedrick plays pretty well. But you cannot give up big plays as a free safety. You cannot give up big plays. And even the last play, I can't remember what the game was when they threw that one Hail Mary and he misplayed it. Cincinnati. Cincinnati. I mean, there was another play, you know, on a flea flicker. There's this play. You just can't have those, you, and and you and the, the coaches will lose confidence in you because of that. That was disappointing big time. I thought the interception, um, you know, for the touchdown. I, I'm putting that on Brown a little bit. Actually, I, if, if you really push me on that, I'm putting that more on the wide receiver than on Russell. Russell threw it. He saw that you can 't, as a veteran wide receiver, sorry you know if you 're listening to this, but you cannot wait for a play the ball to come to you you've got to go get the ball you've got to know d b s in this league they 're breaking on the football fast i 'm not saying it was the the right throw, but that should not have been an interception uh, to me, a Brown plays it properly, so th- those are the things, and i 'm going to one more comment, sorry about this, you know Lamar Jackson. He had two scrambles. They were scramble plays. One time we, we our defensive lineman jumped up. Bobby Wagner, as you mentioned, was was on it. Bobby just couldn't catch him, and Bobby was trying. Not, I mean, Bobby was into that He's game. He was running hard. He was running yeah. hard, and I go, if that was 100-meter, Jackson beats him by eight yards. Mm. And that's how fast he is. He is the greatest running quarterback I've ever seen. And I just drove 32 hours in three days. <laughs> to Dallas, Texas with my son, and we argued the point who was the best running backs, and he threw out Michael Vick, and we threw out Cunningham, and we threw out all these guys. And I said, Lamar Jackson is in a category all his own as, as a running quarterback. He is phenomenal.
1: Did that last the entire
0: 32 hours? It, it, that one lasted about an hour and a half. Good okay. conversations. There you go. We had it some great ones. Flight. We only fought a f- total of 15 minutes on that 32-hour drive. Nice. That was pretty good.
3: I think going back to that Jerron Brown play, I think he – What's disappointing was that he didn't make an effort. I wouldn't say that it's on Jeron Brown. I think Russell Wilson put him in a situation to where he had to kind of make a play. But as a receiver, you're always taught to go back to the ball. So he gets some blame for that. Uh, you know i got to protect my you guy. Are totally you are totally protecting. It's
0: the truth. It's on both it's the, of them.
3: It, yeah, both of them Don't hold some responsibility yeah. to it. The Tedrick Thompson deal. The worst part about that is that it happened early in the game. First round. And then you give the Ravens some life. You know, after that play happens, I'm like, oh, dang, are they going to be able to throw the ball against us? You know, you start getting some some self-doubt in there. So, And then going back to the other part, Lamar Jackson and Michael Vick, the reason why I still hold Vick above Lamar Jackson is because Vick never had designed runs, you know, and a lot of his runs were scrambles just like Lamar did. But I could only imagine – if Vic was in a system to where he, there were designed runs for him, what he could do. Is he in the conversation? Most definitely. He's the most athletic dude I've seen on the football field with my own eyes. So um, it, that, that whole game, it just really sucked. DK fumbling the ball, trying to make the right play, shifting over to it at least we think he's trying to make the right play cuz you're taught since you're little put the ball on the outside hand uh, outside arm on the sideline um in my opinion I've never switched the ball I just kept it in my dominant arm because I just felt comfortable doing that so
1: yeah, is it that important to get that switched over I,
3: you know it, it, the more I talk about it I don't think it is I mean what are you, you want to put it in the arm that's most dominant your strongest arm so yeah. so why not so theoretically he's trying to make the right football play but in reality maybe you just keep it there and then then why are you wearing gloves and sleeves when it's raining? <laughs> you know, it's just yeah. this little all, all a bunch of things that we could nitpick at. at end of the day, he fumbled the ball. I don't think it'll be an issue, but that that was the game on Sunday. Just a, a bunch of little things that that piled up and just ended up thirty to sixteen. I yep. broke
1: down a play the fourth and two where I was very impressed with Lamar Jackson. He was going crazy, jumping up and down when his center didn't snap it, and then you know he ends up talking his his coach, I think, into going for it on 4th and 2. I diagrammed that play, and it was a typical Greg Roman thing where they just overwhelm you at the point of attack. And how they do it is, first of all, overload that side. Then they had a motion guy come across who's like a fullback D-line. He goes up into the gap, and then... You have a pulling guard who pulls across. They had seven guys on one side of the center. And if you freeze frame that, even on the TV copy, you just see there's like a four-man wall right there. But even with all of that, Marquise Blair, if he were to come over the top of that double-team block that he got, guy chipped and then came off on him, if he would have came over the top of that, I think he would have made the tackle. But it's uh, you just have to be on your P's and Q's. When you have a running quarterback because, you know, There's 11 guys, usually, say this all the time, quarterback hands the ball off, he's dead, you're playing against 10. And this guy is the running back, and so you just have to be, you know, there was, it's not like they overwhelmed them offensively, but there was just a few plays that, like that one, where they just got, uh, they got beat, and Seahawks made one little mistake, and that's the thing in the NFL, you make one mistake the uh, the opponent finds it.
0: Yeah, what what makes Lamar Jackson and the reason why I, I say he's the greatest running quarterback I've ever seen. You know he's two hundred and fifteen twenty pounds. You know he's six foot two. You know Michael Vick, five, maybe, six, maybe foot, six foot. Maybe you know. So I could if I could get him, I could arm tackle him. You can't arm tackle Lamar Jackson, and that's why I said he's a true running back. With design plays, it's it's extremely difficult. I want to go. I want to do. Want to talk about that fourth down and two play because it is amazing how many second guessers Monday quarterbacks are are now on Pete Carroll's decision making on fourth down. We we, we oh, go, when he
1: kicked the field goal, uh,
0: New Orleans. We we go for it. We don't get it. And everybody said, "Why did you do that?" Right. Now we've kicked two. Why didn't you go for it? I go. You have got to be kidding me yeah. and now we've got one guy who calls a timeout he blows a timeout he's got his quarterback who talks him into going for it and he's a genius well <laughs> he wasn't a genius 90 seconds earlier because he was going to kick the field goal right. it's it's amazing me i'm just like look fourth and ones fourth and two fourth and three it's a coin flip yeah and if you're going to second guess coin flips you, you Well, then they came out with a
1: stat afterwards saying that in Pete Carroll's era, that fourth and one to three, he's like 10 for 11 or something. But that's a Pro Bowl kicker. It was 13-all. You knew that it was going to be a tight game. And... Yeah, was a Pro Bowl kicker, but we'll, we'll we'll see. I still I still believe in him. It's not like I mean, it wasn't like that was in the bad end of the the north no, end zone. It's not, not like tougher. his
0: numbers are horrible. Yeah.
1: So look, I, I just yeah, I thought that was a, a bad second guess by everybody. But you're right. I mean, obviously, if, if he it makes works, the field goal, oh, everybody. If we yeah. make
0: the fourth and one, on and on and on. Yeah. It's just like you know, look, end of the day, fourth quarter, we didn't win.
4: I'll
1: tell you what, I was really impressed with their defense. Uh, the play before they had to kick that field goal, it was fourth and three because it was like fourth and one or third and one or two. They they played the perimeter so well. They were so disciplined. They tried to run a fly sweep. The backside guy stayed home on that one. Uh, they tried to run a little swing route to Tyler Lockett. And I thought, oh, that's a good matchup out there. There was a linebacker and a
0: corner. Dave, out there. as you know, and you, and you do too, Michael, it, this is a game of adjustments. You know where they got us? They got us on second down. On their defense. They, they were ready for some fly sweeps. They were ready for some, you know, some bubble screens. When yeah. they, they, yep. we went wide, they were shooting the gap. And instead of it coming up third and short or first, all of a sudden, we, now we were third and long on yep. these second down plays. And that yep. really did hurt us.
1: All right. No more lamenting no. over the Baltimore Ravens. <laughs> all right,
0: good. I'm scratching right. that little segment out of the way.
1: We're, we're on to the Atlanta Falcons. And coming up next, we're going to get an opponent preview from Orlando, led better. He's been there forever. In Atlanta, he's with the Atlanta Journal Constitution. That's next right here on Hawks Live.
0: Hawks Live every Thursday from seven to nine, live at Snoqualmie Casino on seven hundred and ten ESPN Seattle.
1: Welcome back to Hawks Live, Dave Wyman, Paul Moyer. Michael Bumpus, and we're now joined on the phone for an opponent preview, Orlando Ledbetter from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Orlando, thanks for staying up late. Sure, no problem. Thanks for having me, guys. All right, so tell, tell us uh, what you think about what happened at practice from what I understand. Uh, Trufant did not practice. Uh, Matt Ryan did not practice. Those two players, do you expect them to be ready to go on Sunday?
4: Yeah, I think Matt will be ready to go. He has a high right ankle sprain. Uh, the other big one was Grady Jarrett, too. Uh, True far, I do not. He has turf toe, and they are bringing him back. They want to make sure he can run at full speed. They don't want him outside, uh, you know, iffy and, and not questioning uh, his, uh, you know, not being able to play at full speed and questioning his cuts and so forth. So I don't believe he's ready. Uh, Matt's going to try to play. We saw him walking around today uh, without a boot, so uh, you know he's a gamer and is going to try to go. Uh, Grady Jarrett, I think, is going to try to go too.
0: You know, the one thing Orlando is what's what's hard for us playing Atlanta is we we like Atlanta. We <laughs> we we love Dan Quinn. I mean, God, he was a, a great defensive coordinator. What, what has gone wrong? I mean, it, a couple of years ago, we were looking at this defense as another Seahawk defense from, like, 2013. And this year, obviously, huge struggles. What, what's the biggest issue that's happened so far this year for them?
4: Yeah, it's four things. Some of the guys that, you know, made it to the Super Bowl as rookies the second-year guys, uh, you know, the next year they got injured, and, and some of them are, are back now. Keanu Neal got injured again. But, uh, Deion Jones is not the same. These are people they were counting on to be pillars of the defense. Uh, Ricardo Allen, the free safety, your, uh, you know, Errol Thomas, uh, is not the same. He's coming back from Achilles and he just doesn't have the range to get to as much stuff as he used to get to. And then, uh, the defensive ends, they both drafted him in the, uh, drafted both in the first round. Tack McKinley and Big Beasley and uh, Coach Dan hasn't been able to generate a pass rush with those guys. So those were four pillars of the defense that they were counting on coming into the season, and, and, and nothing has worked with those, those uh, four guys.
3: Hey, Orlando, with Snu being shipped off to New England, uh, how much production are you respecting to see out of Russell Cage, or do you see really getting a, little more, uh, a few more targets?
4: They were saying that Gade's going to step into the Snu role for now, but I think it eventually clears the path for, uh, Ridley to get more of the, uh, more of the catches. Uh, also Austin Hooper, the tight end will, you know, probably take over some of the third down catches that Sanu was getting. But yeah, they're going to, I think the production will start sliding over to Ridley, although Gage will still be a part of the offense.
1: So, Orlando, how much in control of the defense is Quinn now? Because I was looking at some numbers over the last couple of years. Marquand Manuel was there, and man, they were top ten in a lot of categories. And then this year, man, they've slipped down to the bottom half. Is he getting help from Bob Sutton? I know he was a former defensive coordinator. What, how, how is he handling the, calling the defenses?
4: Well, he, he had been calling it. That was a big thing when he got rid of Mark Kwan. And uh, after the game against the Rams, he revealed that he had passed some of the, the play-calling uh, responsibilities off to a couple assistants. Uh, we suspect, and we pressed him, and he wouldn't reveal those assistants. So uh, today I talked to Bob Sutton. He said he wasn't one of them that uh, is calling the plays now. So we believe that he's sharing play-calling responsibilities with linebacker coach Jeff Olbrich. And his defensive passing game coordinator, uh, Jerome Henderson, in a kind of a collaboration effort to to get the defense back on track. They uh, they just haven't been able to get anybody stopped. They've been outscored 120 to 50 in the first half of games. So they never they haven't been in much of the many other, well maybe just one of the games they were they were in at halftime, uh, the Eagles game. They beat them. And they were in a Houston game at halftime, seventeen sixteen. But then got the doors blown off, Ended up giving up fifty three points uh, in that game to Houston.
0: Again, talking about Dan Quinn, it seems like he's beloved. You know, the owner of Banks comes out gives a, a little bit of an endorsement for him. But how important was it for Julio Jones to speak about Dan Quinn and, and what he means to the team? It's more on the players and. Yeah, obviously, we don't want them getting too fired up, but what what was that speech all about?
4: Oh, that's been the talk of town this week uh you know I, I, my question was what took you so long? Uh, <laughs> you no know, it's one and six I mean they are about ready to usher coach Dan up out of town uh this probably need to be done at one and three. these guys uh may have been reading their press press Pippings thinking they're a little bit better than they were uh and uh uh, went out and got smacked around here early in the season. This should have been done a couple weeks ago. It might be too late, but it might, uh, you know, be uh, enough of a spark to, to get them up and get them ready to play the Seahawks. But, uh, you know, if they have another level, Julio's asking for it right now. It's probably something that should have been done a little bit sooner. But uh, uh, we'll see if it helps against uh, a fine Seattle team that's off to this 5-2 and two start.
3: Um, from what you're saying, it sounds like Matt Ryan may play this weekend. But if, if Matt Schwab has to play, how confident is this team in handing the keys over to Schwab and in getting it done?
4: Well, he's looked good. I mean, he's 39. He has not started in uh, 15. You know, at the end, it didn't look real good for him in Oakland and then Baltimore. But, uh, you know, in practice, when we see him, the arm looks good. You know, the decision-making will be good. He's just got to capture uh, – you know, lightning in a bottle for one day. And at 39, he certainly has the memory banks to go up, you know, go back on that former pro bowler in 09 and 12. I think they're pretty confident that, uh, you know, he can, they can play and be competitive with him. That's Matt that is not able to answer the bill.
1: Hey, so Matt Ryan sacked 19 times. We're talking to Orlando Ledbetter from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Um, Offensive line, pretty good. They spent a first-rounder last year on a, a Husky, Caleb McGarry. You got Alex Mack, Jake Matthews, James Carpenter, who's a Seahawk. Um, are they happy with the performance with uh, with Matt Ryan, especially since he gets hit and uh, ends up getting an ankle injury?
4: Yeah, they're not too happy with the protection, but they didn't want to single out the line. Uh, they, uh, you know, 43 hit. They're on pace for, uh, you know, 40, 43 sacks and 109-some-plus hits, which would top the 42 and 108 they gave last year. So they need the line to tighten things up. They're really happy with Caleb, uh, especially in the run blocking. Uh, they knew he was going to have some problems against the league speed and uh, uh, pass blocking, but, you know, um, they're doing some things with him and shooting his hands out quicker because once he gets his hands on the guys, he's pretty he, he can do okay. Had a rough day against Dante Fowler last week. But they still are very high on him and, uh, very high on the line coming together as a unit. They'll get Chris Lindstrom back, their other first round pick here in a couple of weeks. He had a broken foot in the opener and James is battling through a knee injury, but, uh, you know, they're giving him a day of rest and then a day of practice and they're rotating him, uh, in with West Weiser the uh, third guard who gave up the sack from uh to Aaron Donald and knocked Ryan out of the game. So it's a hodgepodge. They're trying to put a line together. Uh, hasn't gone as smoothly as they would like. But, uh, you know, they think, um, you know, all's not lost with that group, and they can move on forward and try to build some continuity and, and get things going and get things blocked up much better for Matt Ryan.
1: Orlando, I wish that uh, Julio Jones had given that uh, that speech next week. (laughs) Yeah, because, yeah, it's uh, you said it was a little too late. We think it's too early because, you know, I I mean, when you get a team fired up like that and we all know Dan Quinn here. I mean, he's a a guy that, you know, is easy to love. And uh, I'm sure those guys are going to go out and play hard. What kind of game do you think uh, you're going to see? Is this going to be a win for your Falcons there?
4: Yeah, I think it is it's going to be a back against the wall type game for them, Give uh, coming off of the speech and uh, coming off of how bad they played the whole, uh, you know, part, first half of this season, you know, uh, they need to show something. And I think Sundays they're kind of all in game, uh, before they go into the bye week. So, you know, if they can stop, uh, Chris, uh, Chris Carson will be coming home, uh, former Parkview High standout here in Atlanta and, uh, you know, just not let Russell kill him on the scramble plays to lock it. Uh, maybe they got a shot here to pull one off uh, before they go to the box. That's kind of how I'm thinking this one might work out.
1: All right, Orlando, well, we appreciate you staying up late and uh, giving us a preview, and uh, hopefully we'll see you out in Atlanta.
4: All right. Uh, thanks. I appreciate it, Dave, Paul, and Michael. You guys take care and have a great evening.
1: Alright, thank you, sir. There he goes. Orlando Ledbetter from the Atlanta Journal Constitution. He's a mainstay there in Atlanta. Kind yeah, of a good, legend. Good, good legendary yeah. uh, newspaper writer there.
0: You know what? And, and they got they have so much talent. I mean, I, you know, Devonta Freeman was, at one point, I thought, one of the best running backs. And he kind of he had a really slow start at the beginning of this year. He's, he's come on lately. I mean, they're him yeah. a little bit more in the passing game as well. But, you know, Cam Ridley is, I mean, he's legit. You Route know, runner. I, they've got, I mean, Julio Jones. I mean, I thought when they got rid of, you know, Muhammad there, I thought, you've got to be kidding me. You know, but at one and six, you, know, you you get what you can probably at this point. They probably don't think they can make the playoffs, but they got a great tight end, they got a great running back, yeah. they got a couple great wide receivers, they got a wide or quarterback who can throw it if he's healthy. Um, you know, nineteen sacks isn't a great thing, but God, they're talented.
3: If Matt Ryan plays this weekend. That is exceptional. I haven't seen a guy turn around off a hangle sprain that quickly, so I'm interested to see if he does.
1: Uh, Devontae Freeman tried to start a fight with Aaron Donald. Everybody's calling him dumb. I'm like, number one, I say he's got stones because he's a 5'8", 200-pounder going up against Aaron Donald. The other thing is, you're not rational going into a fight. I mean, people are like, "That's not very smart." Well, smart has nothing to do with it. When you're angry and you're going into a fight, you're not thinking you're going to get whooped. I, I, I,
3: I liked it. I'm not the biggest person in the world. If a man lifts me off my feet, I'm I got to throw my hands. You tap out. I got to throw my hands. I'm not tapping out. I'm throwing hands at him. you. Oh,
0: you okay.
1: Can't I let a person disrespect you like yeah, that. Yeah, you picked him up like a small yeah, child. Yeah, you got to throw your hands. I'd be kicking my feet out. Kicking him. your legs. <laughs>
0: Just to give you all a visual there.
1: Oh, man, I actually had that happen to me. Randall McDaniel, big guard. He picked you up? Dude, that guy was the strong. Somebody told me he had a 2,000-square-foot weight room in his house. He was just a ridiculously strong guy. And, yeah, he got me by the shoulder plate pads, uh, the chest plate. Just kind of like all of a sudden my feet went up and I was like that. My feet were going. Yeah, that's not good.
0: 2000 it was, it was square I have a 2000 square foot home. He's got a 2000 square foot workout place. Yeah. Oh yeah. Poor bursts you, off the Paul. water though.
1: Poor Paul living in Bellevue, <laughs> the slums of Bellevue. I, know. I got you. Now we're going to break. Coming up next, we're going to, we're going to go around the NFL, check in with the professor, John Clayton. That's next on Hawks live. Hawks
0: Live, every Thursday from 7 to 9, live at Snoqualmie Casino on 710 ESPN Seattle.
1: Welcome back to Hawks Live. Paul Moyer, Dave Wyman, Michael Bumpus, and right now on the phone we got the professor. Professor, actually we're not on the phone. We're on your ISDN line, so you're going to sound nice and clear. Are you enjoying the uh, Thursday night game?
5: Not really. No, it's pretty bad. 19-9, I mean, it's like
1: nineteen to nine. Vikings yeah. leading the Redskins.
5: I mean, I know Jim Moore's happy that it's not seventeen points yet, and it's not a blowout. But uh, it's been a pretty bad game. I mean, uh, Cousins hasn't been able to generate touchdown drives. Now you got Dwayne Haskins in there, and he's just simply not ready because of the concussion of Case Keenum. Not a real good football game. Yeah, you know, unless you like field goals, I guess. If you yeah. like field goals, I guess it's a good game. Maybe
1: we say this every year or more often than I think, but it just seems to me like it's a weird year that you look at the teams that are you know, undefeated, like San Francisco and New England, and you go, yeah, they didn't play anybody. It just seems like there's not many... Uh, am I wrong about that? It just seems like there's a lot of really bad teams mm-hmm. this year, and when you look at these good teams and their good records, it seems like more often than not, you look at their their schedule and they feasted it off of weaker opponents.
5: Yeah, because I mean, you particularly see it in the AFC, where uh, I mean, you, you can buffalo. I mean, Buffalo, how good are they? But the only team that they played with a winning record is going to be New England, close game, but they lost that game, and then. You look around the whole AFC. There's just, I mean, a lot of two-win teams, a lot of really bad teams like Miami, Cincinnati, and all that. And you know, yeah. this to me is a repeat of the 2004 season. And in 2004, the AFC it was really good. It had Peyton Manning. It had Tom Brady. Some real good teams. Pittsburgh had Ben Roethlisberger, and they went 44 and 20. In the interconference games. And so I think New England, uh, New York Giants that year won 13 games, and there may have only been about three or four other teams that had winning records. To me, it reminds me of 2004.
3: John, the, uh, the 49ers go out and get Emmanuel Sanders. Uh, do you think the move to get Diggs by the Seahawks is a direct counter to that, or do you feel he was a, a available guy in the backfield or the defensive backfield, and we just picked him up?
5: Available guy, and they just picked him up. It's the same thing as what happened today with Michael Bennett. You know, being available because of the fact that he got suspended, he wasn't happy about his playing time, and all of a sudden they start shopping him around at a discounted price. Dallas grabs him up for a seventh-round pick in 2021. It can upgrade to maybe a sixth-round pick. Same thing, I think, you can see with Diggs. And 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 you can see the reaction in Detroit, how bad it is, because the Lion players are furious. I mean, Darius Slade not only had tweeted out on Tuesday, but followed up on Wednesday how mad he was about that. And so whatever it was with uh, the Lions and Diggs is that uh, – Here's a guy that was a Pro Bowl alternate last year, may not have had as good a season for whatever reason this year, and they decided to just dump him. And so, you know, you get him for a fifth-round pick, you get a seventh-round pick back in 2021. And so it's like, no, they they just did that because it's like, okay, he's available. We've got ten draft choices. Let's do it.
1: Michael Bennett was fired, suspended, and traded. Did you ever hear that? And now uh, he's
5: in Dallas. Now he's in Dallas, yeah. He
1: he screamed at Jim Moore and said, You should be fired and suspended. It's like, I think he got those backwards.
0: It was a little little strange. And traded. John, last week, a a pivotal play, fourth and two, the Ravens. um, And all of a sudden, Harbaugh goes from, uh, I guess he's a genius now because he was going to kick a field goal calls a timeout, and then they decide to go for it. What did you see down there that made that happen? What transpired on that?
5: It was all Lamar Jackson because Lamar Jackson uh, ended up talking Harbaugh into doing it both with his action and his words. Because what happened is here's Jackson. He runs and gets the fourth and two. They're at the eight-yard line. And so on that play, ironically, you know his little play card on his left wrist got ripped off okay so now he picks it up and he starts screaming at harbaugh for putting the field goal unit on so he's walking over right in front of me he takes the card and he throws it almost into the stands because he was so mad and so you know a police officer was able to bring it back and get it back to uh you know the coaching staff and all that stuff and so you know then they start to talk and you know uh, basically Mar says how can we not go for this let's go for it and so harbaugh says okay fine so he runs down gets the timeout, lets uh, Lamar Jackson go on the field, and he gets the eight-yard touchdown. That's not a brilliant play by John Harbaugh. It's a gutsy play by Lamar Jackson that engages him to be even more of a coach's guy that you have to trust because he was able to get the eight-yard touchdown.
1: I like how Clayton tells these stories, but they're scrubbed down. You leave all the expletives out. Oh, no, he, he was cussing. <laughs> oh, no, he was, there were some there bad we words there. There we go. Michael Bumpus, your thoughts about the NFL. (laughs) Uh,
3: I love the NFL. I love talking to John Clayton, too. John, how special is Lamar Jackson? I mean, we've seen a lot of running quarterbacks in the NFL, Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray, uh, Dave, and and Paul. Well, actually, Paul thinks Lamar is the greatest rushing quarterback of all time. How do you feel about that?
5: Uh, He's up there. I mean, he's either uh, Michael Vick 2.0, Russell Wilson 2.0, or a combination of the two. He's just sensational. I mean, again, as a runner, I think he is actually better than Michael Vick. And I don't know if he's a thrower, but again, what as a thrower, he went from like fifty-eight percent completions to sixty five percent completions just in a matter of this year. And so he's getting better and better and better. I mean clearly this guy's gonna be sensational. You know, when you went into the season, you didn't know for sure whether you can endorse it because of the fifty eight percent completion percentage. Now you can endorse it because I mean he's that good. And last year he came out of the blue for an aging probably not too good. Joe Flacco got them into the playoffs with four wins in five games, and now he's having them sitting at five and two. I just don't know if he can hold up getting what's going to probably be 200 carries in a season. That's way too much, but so far, so good.
1: All right, Professor, we appreciate the update, and enjoy the rest of your evening. Hey, thank you. There he goes, John Clayton. We'll be talking to him tomorrow at 4 o'clock. You know, it's funny. Last week, I remember saying that, I thought that Colin Kaepernick was skinnier than Lamar Jackson. That Lamar Jackson was beefier. Paul said he disagreed with me, but yet you came back today and said that you thought he was beefier
0: than Michael Vick. I I think he was a little bigger because I think Kaepernick at one point was like yeah, but you were talking about how he's
1: like six. Kaepernick wasn't 235.
0: Well, I go look at it. I, I think in his heyday, he might have been close to that. He was pretty thick back in the day. Yeah, I don't to, know. We're going
1: to have to check the records on that one. What, what's the, Meyer, mo- what what's the most
0: rushing yards by a QB? In a For season. a season? Yeah.
1: 1,400?
0: All right. Let's see if uh, Lamar Jackson gets it. I have
1: no idea, Paul. I know. I just threw it. I, well, well, I total, know that. My dad would call that a wag, a wild something guess. Cap, what is 6'4", it? 230. Thank you. Okay. I right, stand...
0: Man. Correct. Okay,
1: That's not a good thing when Paul Moyer is right. You're going right. to hear about it the whole rest the, of the evening.
0: Someday I'll be wrong.
1: All right. <laughs> All right, coming up next, we'll talk about the big uh, roster move with Quandre Diggs coming into town, how much the Seahawks loved it, how much the Lions hated it. We'll get into that next on Hawks Live.